The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hi, welcome to episode 32 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, uh, as per usual, joined from Portland by KC. Hey, good morning. It feels weird doing this. It feels like forever. Yeah, I was, I was just going through the highlights this morning, looking at the dates. It's pretty, it feels like it was about a month ago now. Yeah, and it's, it's not far off that. It's not a million miles away from that, but that's what the shite that is the international break does to you. Yeah. I mean, good good game yesterday to watch for England, but for the most part, you're just counting the end of days until proper football comes back. Yeah, the first half of that was great to watch the pace on counter-attack and stuff, but when you look at the game as a whole, we kind of FM'd them a little bit. Mm. They, uh, yeah, great great start to the game for England, like you say, good counter-attacking football, and I think by the end of the game, what was it, we'd had five shots, three on target to Spain. I think Spain were in like near the 20s in terms of shots. 70% possession. It was interesting. Yeah. Uh, having loads of shots and all the ball and getting beat by a team that has none of the ball and hardly any shots. Brings us on to Leeds 1, Birmingham 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, this game was so long ago, we'll barely go through it. Uh, basically, we were absolutely awful for half an hour. Uh, two goals for Che Adams, both of them poor defensively. Both of them, especially the first one, shit from Peacock Farrell, really. And hooked Phillips off after 34 minutes. We were better after that. Phillips, I mean, he was bad, but so were pretty much everyone. Uh, it was more for a tactical thing. But even though Alioski did manage to get one back, we never actually looked like getting an equaliser, despite the chances we had. No, we we didn't really have that many chances to start with, either. It took a while for our first real chance. If I remember right, I think it was a... Tyler Roberts header wide. Mm. Um, but yeah, first half, we didn't really cause them too many problems. It's towards the end of the second half, right? The last 20 minutes, we started to have a few more chances. But again, nothing that really troubled the keeper. Yeah, I think their keeper made one really good save at end from Dallas, didn't he? That was in this yeah. game. And that's that was the one time where I thought we might get an equaliser. Because it was the the volley from the edge of the area from Forshaw, which he struck well, but it was straight at the keeper. Um, Alioski's finish was, was quite a nice finish across the keeper. Yeah, a really good. I mean, he'd, he'd had a bit of a stinker before that, to be honest. And I know, I know that he's mm-hmm. he's kind of the uh, the go to person to get criticised at the minute. But like he, he he was having a stinker before that. But that goal took him up to you know fifth or sixth on the pitch. But yeah, we, it yeah. was ages ago now. Uh, I had a 2-0 win. You had a 3-0 win. And, quote, I feel we could rip these to shreds, end quote. So They'd, they'd, won like, they'd only won like two games at that point. Yeah, they'd only lost about three, though, haven't they? They'd drawn all this. Yeah. Yeah, but luckily you're off the hook from me blaming you. Because <laughs> our lass has only been to one game this season. Oh, so, oh dear. So, Sarah... It's your fault. Literally, literally, I mean, I went away on holiday, proposed to that woman and come back and she makes Leeds United lose. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I ought to have left her there and then, really. 
it's all take and no give. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's only one of us in this relationship. <laughs> and it's and it's me and Leeds. Sarah, I think I'm very much the Pontus Janssen of this relationship. You, mm, who's a, you are a Yosuke Deguchi here. You are in no way involved doing your own thing somewhere else. Actually, I think you'll find that as of yesterday, I'm the Yosuke Deguchi because I have a bad knee and Yosuke Deguchi is going, is going to be out for a long time with that knee injury. You've had bad knees for 15 years though. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can't think of a cut from bad knees to Chef Wednesday one leads one. Uh, my no. knees aren't very good, so when I move, sometimes they click. Who scored a great goal to equalise? <laughs> this is just ridiculous now. That's what I said when Adam Leach scored, actually. Jesus Christ, that was that was an unbelievable goal. Yeah, I find them a lot easier to stomach. I mean, I hate when anyone scores against Leeds, obviously. It does feel like a punching gut and all of that. But when it's an absolute screamer like that, it is a little bit easier to take. Because you just go, ah, oh, well, you can't really do anything about that. I mean, I know that we left him alone from a throw-in, which was a bit basic, but that's going in. I'd say one out of a hundred, but he scored a screamer in the next game as well, so I'll say three out of a hundred to be nice to him. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic volley. I saw a couple of people uh, maybe slating be- uh, Peacock Farrell for not moving for it, but there was nothing he could have done about that. No, he wasn't on his penalty spot. It was... Six yards out. That was a perfectly fine position to be in. Yeah, and, and when it comes crashing off the post, it's you know it's not like it dropped down in the middle of his goal or anything like that. You know, even if it had been two or three yards off his line, I don't. I think he'd have been struggling to get to that. Nah, it was an absolute wonder goal. And Click's goal. It wasn't just that it was a really good finish after Roberts' layoff. There's you know fourteen, fifteen passes in build up to it as well, playing out from right at the back. It's a Fantastic goal! That was that was great, and it's what we needed. And they rode their luck for a lot of the game, and the amount of blocks they made. Um, I think from watching their goalkeeper early on, it didn't fill you with any confidence if you're a Chef Wednesday fan. Uh, you know, a lot of fairly comfortable takes that he's spilling and or punching weekly. So the amount of times you saw a Wednesday defender standing in front of their keeper to make a block, it, to me, it was almost a sign of, Jesus, boys, just just get in front of him. Yeah, I, this one, we really, really deserved more. I mean, Phillips missed a really good chance. It's a shame, really, because the main chance, it was big chances felt of Phillips, who's been playing almost as a defender for half of the season, and the two other really good chances fell to Barry Douglas. Yeah, was it and uh, on his was head it Douglas's at that. header that came off the post? Yeah, I was going to say it was was it Douglas that came off the post, but that was that was agonising watching that one bounce towards the post. Yeah, because it was a terrible. I mean, he even said as much on Twitter after, didn't he? It was a shocking header, <clears> but I think it said a lot about our dominant were that when they did the because obviously Sky interviews, which will come on to Sky post game interviews a bit later, I reckon. But they always <clears> it's two from the winning team unless it's a draw, and then they do one of each. And the Chef Wednesday player that they interviewed was saying, "Oh, it were backs to the wall. They were better side, and we're really happy. That was a really good point. And it was that. It was nice to hear him just be straight with it. Like, oh yeah, we're delighted. Yeah, I, th- I think we just started to to dominate in that final third, create a lot of chances, and on a, on another day we'd have had three or four. Yeah, uh, 
one where not based on the style of play that we should have had three or four, but based on how shit Hull are, we should have probably ended up with three or four. One nil win away at Hull. Tyler Roberts with a really good goal. Yeah, really good hit firing it into into the bottom corner. Uh, it was a nice nice bit of football there as well, which there wasn't a whole lot of of nice stuff to take out of this game. No, it wasn't much. Honest. It wasn't much of a game at all. I, I I remember saying on Twitter that Leeds never got out of first gear, but in the end, they didn't need to. No, very and very interesting seeing the shots of the fans there, where pretty much the whole of the upper tier of the stadium was closed. Yeah, the difference is with Hull. I mean, you look at things like that at some grounds, you just think, God, your fans are shit. And I know Hull's fan base isn't amazing or anything, but with the way the Alams have been, I don't blame any of them for staying away. Hull Tigers, rawr. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if I would stay away because, like, I kind of wanted to stay away when Chilino were there, and there were times I wanted, and I wanted to under Bates, but I just miss it too much when I don't go. So I do turn into yeah. a hypocrite. But I don't blame anyone for not going. I mean, my dad didn't go for, like, years under Bates. My mum refused to go under George Graham. What, just because it was, was shit? That was more a stylistic... Uh, <laughs> stylistic. Yeah, it was, a st- it was a stylistic issue more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you can see why, and especially now the position there. And there was, there was a good bit of... Uh, There's something on Facebook I saw, which was really nice, when uh, someone said they were going as... Uh, as whole for Halloween and it was a table turned upside down. Yeah. Which I quite liked. <laughs> yeah, that's quite clever. Yeah, I... You see, I don't I don't hate Hull or anything and not many people will care enough about them to hate them. But like I've one of my mates from you and he's a big Hull fan and everything, so I I don't want them to do well, but I don't want them to get run into the ground like they are. Yeah. I will say I was going through the I was watching the highlights this morning just to catch myself up. Because it's been so long. The, <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the highlights that popped up for, from the vault was uh, Leeds beating Hull 4-1 at the start of the 2011-12 season. Ramon Nunes, Tom Lees, and two others. Uh, Ross McCormack mm. and the mandatory Robert Snodgrass free kick against Hull. Ah, mate. Didn't Tom Lee score theirs as well? Wasn't it an on goal? Yes, yes, he did. That's where I was going with that. Tom Lee's firing across into the top corner. Yeah. Um, but here, here's a team for you. Bear in mind, this this is the season following on from finishing seventh, just missing out on the playoffs. Lonergan in goal, a back four of Lee's, O'Day, Kisnovo, A.D. White, Snodgrass, Clayton, Brown, Nunez. Keo and McCormack up front, and on the bench. Back, this is back when there was only five subs: Lloyd, Sam, Zach Thompson, Paul Rohobka, uh Paul Connolly, and Alex Bruce. Right. So Paul Connolly's on the bench there, the right back. Yep. What was our back four again? Lee's, O'Day, Kisnobo, and White. So two centre backs, and t- so two centre backs, a centre back slash left back, and a left back. And the right backs on the bench. That says everything you need to know about Paul Connolly, I think. Uh, great, because Grayson tried so hard to get rid of him yeah. several times. <laughs> Just really didn't want him in the team anymore. Uh, Nick Barnby also came off the bench for them in that game. God, he, yeah, he was still playing on it at that point. Yeah. Um, just, it was just a very interesting thing to to look at and see that team and just think, 
how did we go from, you know, Schmeichel, Johnson, Kilkenny, Gradle? How did, like, how did we end up there? Yeah, how did we get promoted and get worse? It ended, you know, we, so quickly that team just fell away. And yeah. Like you said, that was, especially when Browns, at that point, Brown was the player and the story was coming up. Oh, you know, the, the guy we've been after for eight years. He was 26 when we started our interest in him. Yeah, he's now 34 and immobile. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. That yeah, it's a bit like it must be like being George Lazenby showing up at the bond conventions. You know, I wanted to fuck this bond girl when she was 22, and now she's 50, and I get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, to go back to football, one of the things I did like seeing in the whole game was they started with two up front. And finished with two up front. There was a bit in the middle where they switched to a one. But it meant that we saw like nearly 45 minutes of 3-3-1-3. Three, three, three. And the yeah. thing that they did that was sensible with it was... Because uh, if we'd have started with that against Birmingham, I think we'd have been okay. Bielsa like, took the blame after the Birmingham game and said it was his fault, not having the right formation. And I think it was, to be honest. I think he did have us wrong because they had Adams and Jukovic all the way up against our centre-backs. And his rule is free when they've got two. But I think he just thought we were good enough to outdo him. Yeah. It was quite interesting. I remember... By the way, that is not a criticism of Bielsa. He can do what he wants. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, he, I think he just made a mistake that time. He. It was quite interesting listening to uh, Phil Hay talking about the amount of times we seem to shift formation during the whole game. There seems to be quite a few changes to tweak to kind of fit them like you say with them changing in the middle of the game as well so we reverted to the four at the back and then they would go back to two up front so we went back to three at the back and it was an interesting lesson for the players anyway in, in organization and getting them to move around and you know change you know, change roles mid-game yeah they did it well it was really good to see from phillips as well because in this game he wasn't like stand out or anything but he played fairly well but you know when they had won it was the holding mid but it was almost automatic as soon as they went free up top Jansen moved across one he dropped into right centre back and clip dropped a bit deeper yeah it was pretty much automatic which was great to see I, 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 it was more enjoyable tactically than it was as a game to watch yeah as, as a lesson more than anything else yeah that's what I took that's what I took from the England game like I sent the the highlights out to the teams I coach just went just just watch this. Notice how much communication there is. Don't bother about the game. The game's terrible. Yeah, you I saw you going on a, that game. I saw you going on about that on Twitter. It's only the second time I've seen one like that. There was that one, and there was a Barcelona game played behind closed doors a f- couple of years ago that was similar. Yeah, it's just very interesting. And just and it's, again, pointing out, just listening. All right, you apart from the England fans outside the ground having a good sing song every now and again. It wasn't so much about what the players are saying, just hearing that amount of communication that goes on between the coaches, between the players. It was just, it's quite interesting to hear every now and again. Yeah. But well, my God, I hope Leeds, I hope Leeds never have to play a game behind closed doors because it'd be awful. Yeah, it would be. Uh, we ha- we both had us winning that game. Uh, I never actually mentioned the Chef Wednesday predictions, did I? Uh, I'm, maybe it's because I'm in denial. I had us winning and you had a one-all draw. Yes. Yeah. And then we come on to his last game before international break. Leeds won, Brentford won, Janssen, we are goal. We'll start with the football side of it. 
I thought it was a pretty even game. I thought Brentford had better chances first half. I thought we had the better chances second half. And just talking about football, I think that that was about a fair result, to be honest. Yeah, like you say, it, it, it pretty much evened itself out over the two halves. Um, they they had a few good chances and Mopai was getting into some good positions in the first half and causing us a few problems. Um, but then second half, we, we pushed on a little bit more. Um, it was interesting, actually, for me, seeing um, Pontus was coming quite far forward during to, to win tackles uh, you know, around the halfway line. I know that he got the goal, but uh, I went to this with one of a, a friend of the podcast, Benny. Uh, and I, before the goal, I had Janssen as man of the match by a distance. Before he scored. Yeah. And I think, I think everyone was in agreement about that, to be fair. I think, again, listening to Phil Hay and then listening to the commentary for LUTV, I think everyone was kind of on the same page for that. Yeah, but this, despite Janssen's goal... Uh, it feels shit, as Pontus Janssen said, because this these are the worst ones. When you get robbed because you've played well and they nick one, that's bad, but you can say, oh, well, you know, they took the chance when it came. When you get done by a ref, and this one, I mean, I was sat with Benny, and after five minutes... I said, oh, God, I think we're getting another one of these. And it just never got any better as the game went on. It was one of the most... It was up there for the poorest refereeing performance I've ever seen at Ellen Road. It probably isn't the worst one, but I bet it's top five. So, yeah, fuck you, Jeremy Simpson. (laughs) I think the issue was with it was, outside of the, the big decision for the penalty, there was just no consistency about his decisions, about who he booked and who he didn't um which i which i think is the most frustrating part you know very difficult just watching even just small tackles where you say where you're looking going and you know it comes down to um ailing's second yellow we're just going well that was the second yellow so um you know why did i'd advise you not get sent off for essentially the same sort of thing putting in those tackles but I think the the Adebayo one was worse. Mm. Uh, I actually have a theory on why Adebayo stayed on, but it didn't occur to me until about three days later. Okay. Everyone said, well, he played advantage and then he didn't go back to book him. But what I hadn't realised was that was like his first start after about nine months out injured. Okay. And I think the ref knew that, whether he, whether it was conscious or not. I think he knew it was his first game back after ages. So he let him off. And I mean, Dean Smith clearly knew that it was a problem because he subbed him immediately. Yeah. Who was it that happened with... Uh, um, was it in the Birmingham game? It was uh, Gardner. Yeah. He was... Uh, he, he went down with a couple of injuries and then he got booked. And you could see at that point they had to haul him off as well. Yeah. Um, to, to not take the chance for that. But at least it's just it's just frustrating the the level of inconsistency that was in just what was given and what wasn't given. Um, the penalty was the penalty was well, it was just a blatant dive. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know it's bad when I think Dean Smith was saying after the game, 
he has the right to go down. And you're like, but he was going, he was halfway down before Peacock Farrell had even got to him. Yeah, when they're coming up with weak excuses, you can tell. The reason I knew it wasn't the... Pe- I mean, first of all, in the stand, in real time, I thought it was a dive. But before yeah. I'd seen it back on the TV, I got a text off Mark Young, who sports Bradford, and hates Leeds. Like, fucking hates us. And I got a text in the ground that said, that was, an, that was a horrendous dive. Should say with Mark Young as well, give him a couple of drinks and he'll really tell you how much he hates Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> Many, many times, three o'clock in the morning. Fucking A-leads. Yeah. So, yeah, Uh, all right, youngie, get in the taxi. But to take the positives out of the game, one, uh, Janssen's header was a good header, although it was horrendous marking. If Leeds had conceded that goal, I'd have been fuming. Yeah, it wasn't as if he had to make a darting run to get into that position. He just seemed to... He just walked backwards and then didn't have to jump. Hmm. Uh, decent bowling from Alioski for it as well who was um, who was much improved in this game Odebarger obviously should have been sent off but both of those fouls were for fouls on Jack Clark five minutes apart who I was so glad to see get a game and didn't look in any way overawed by the experience it's quite nice thing I think with the under 23s especially because they play a lot of their games at Ellen Road so I think at least they kind of he's had that experience of playing at Ellen Road obviously not in front of 30,000 people but at least you kind of get a feel for the place that you're at so when you're arriving for your debut you're kind of used to that process anyway so at least he's kind of had that yeah it was a i'm glad to see him get on i think he'll just go from strength to strength in the same way i banged on about tom pierce last year and thought that it would be comfortably good enough i think jack clark is definitely going to be good enough as well it's quite nice to see actually looking at the bench we had Pierce, Clark, Shackleton, and Edmondson on the bench for that game, which is quite nice to see. And then, obviously, Phillips in the team. So at least you got five players there from the academy all in the squad. Yeah, and well, I guess you can include Peacock Farrell as well. Oh yeah, obviously. I've I mean, completely forgot about he's Farrell. not one. Of, he's not f- like we can't claim him from twelve because we got enough bullet, didn't we? Um. I can't remember, actually, to be honest. Yeah, I think we got him from Buller when he was about 16. But, uh, no, one of the things, it's not actually in the notes, but uh, he played uh, Stuart Dallas at left-back in this game. And he yeah, did, with Barry Douglas picking up an injury. Yeah, and he did absolutely fine. But do you think that's a bit harsh on Tom Pierce? Um, perhaps. It'd be interesting to see as a long-term decision, something like that, but... You know, Dallas has international experience, has played there a fair few times now, and I think as I think if we might have been playing someone maybe lower down the table, he might have gone with Tom Pierce. Yeah. I'll tell you who was really good at left back in this game. When we went more attacking at the end and Alioski dropped to left back when mm. Clark came on. Alioski was tremendous. Like he en- he ended up with twice as many tackles as anyone else on the pitch, and he got most of them in the last twenty five minutes. It was really good. Yeah, I think one of the things I think Alioski is coming for a fair bit of criticism over the last probably month or so, and most of it is reasonable because he hasn't been in best of form. I think I think one of the things that you will always get from Alioski though, you'll always get a good work rate out of him, and I think he he does tend to put himself about, make himself. Uh, you know, he 
I, I think I said before towards the start of the season, it's almost like he's trying too hard. And I think it, there's kind of a, a almost a case of that these last few weeks. But he, he works hard. He gets back, makes his tackles. Um, it's just a bit of a shame that his, his end product's not been there going forward. But defensively, I think you even said last season he was... I think he was probably the player who made the most tackles for us. I don't know if that was for case by the end of the season, but by like the two third mark, it was. Yeah, he's. So it's quite nice having a winger who who will do that. You know, when he comes back, Pablo tracks back, but defensively he's not really up to much. Um, as with Alioski, you know, you've got that extra cover there as well. Someone who will work back and and make tackles. Yeah. Uh, Though it did give me a chance to pull out that Arsene Wenger quote that I love about the referee. Mm. That he is either dishonest or incompetent, so I choose to believe he is not competent. Uh, and that was that. But the person who currently isn't competent is me, because you've gone ahead of me in the predictions. Yes. Uh, yeah, because I barely got any... F- we both got... I only got the whole game correct, because we both had us beating Brentford. Yeah. And I didn't get the correct score, so I only picked up two points, whereas you got Hull and the correct score against Chef Wednesday. So I'm now on 16 points, you're on 19. Oh, lovely. A nice uh, three-point cushion there. Yeah, yeah. There's, some on no- there's something on the notes there, but I'll leave that for later. Uh, following the Brentford game, uh, the one bit of the terrible officiating we missed, because it wasn't really him, it's more later on... Uh, Janssen's been charged for his post-match comments. Now, he was always going to be. You can't say, it feels shit, we've been robbed by the referee. Even if you're completely 100% right, you're always going to get charged if you say that. And if he, if he just got charged for that, it'd be fine. But because Sergi Canyos hasn't been charged for the massively obvious headbutt, it just feels like a kick in the teeth. I, it really gets me as to why nothing has been done to Canyos. Um, I will put it up there with uh, Union O'Kane's headbutt last year at Ipswich. You know, it's not particularly hard or anything like that, but he's done it. Quite yeah. why he had to get up off the bench, wander across to Alioski and do that, I, I don't know. But it's not as if the video evidence isn't there. We've all seen it. I, I don't know what it is they've looked at and gone, yep, seems fine, move on. Yeah, I just, I just find it amazing that it's only three people on that panel and how they've managed to not not be unanimous in that is a headbutt. Uh, the only way that's possible is if one of them literally can't see. I was thinking it might have been Alan Shearer and Norman Hunter that made up two-thirds of the panel and just thought, nah, nothing wrong with that. Nah, it's fine. Yeah, uh, however, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. Like, the Janssen thing is always a fine Managers sometimes get a ban for it, but players only ever get fined for it. So if if Janssen gets a ban for it, then that is a proper, they're corrupt. (laughs) The the answer thing as well, because the fine's not even for the swearing. That all, you know, apparently you can get away with swearing on TV. It is for the comments about the referee. Yeah, um, they would let him off with that because it happens all the time that someone slips up. I mean, we never heard anything about Becky or saying it's fucking unbelievable, did we? That one slipped right under the radar because I, I don't, don't even think, think they noticed. Guy noticed. Them. <laughs> Whereas what what I quite liked about Janssen's was uh, mind your language, please. He was like, no, no, no we've been robbed. <laughs> <laughs> he was a step away from just going, shut up. Yeah, mind your language, no. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, bless, bless him, because we all loved it. It's what we love from Pontus. Yeah. Just uh, goes the, in speaking of Pontus, has there been out on Twitter about his kid being born or out yet? I haven't seen anything. Because I know his missus is due with a dual baby girl, aren't there? I believe. I was, for purely yeah. selfish reasons, hoping that would happen like three days after the Brentford game. And he could just pull out of international duty, stay at home for a week, have the novelty of having a child wear off and be back at training in no time. <laughs> <laughs> had this kid a week now. So as good as I thought it'd be. Well, you know. Novelty. The novelty of having a child. Trust me, Casey. The novelty of getting engaged lasts about four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I like, yeah, just, that was a lovely moment finding out through WhatsApp that Jack had got engaged, um, not even through serious messages, at which point I was think. at which point I did look at the picture and went, oh, that ring would suit you. I'll be honest with you, I was a bit drunk, what did I actually message you? Uh, I can't remember now, actually, but we ended up talking about... Do- I was drunk, basically, because I was, in Pr- I was in Prague and the beer is cheap and really nice. And in the jewellers, they plied me with some liqueur that I don't know the name of, but it was really nice. You you sent me the picture of the ring on Sarah's finger, saying, yeah. bitch tricked me. <laughs> Did it, is that seriously what I put? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake, me. <laughs> to which my response was, they're like crafty dolphins. <laughs> Fair Just remember that she hasn't been through what we have. She'll never know what it's like going on a coach to Yeovil at four in the morning or wandering around Nottingham to find a shit pub before a wrestling show. She's never played cricket in Doncaster on a cold Saturday. God, it's like some weird existentialist nihilist <laughs> poem. <laughs> Just naming off the shitholes of this country. I say this country, I'm not, I'm not in it. And speaking of nihilism, after the year he's had, poor guy, Steve Bruce has been sacked by Villa. Shortly after having a cabbage thrown at him. Yeah. we. Oh yeah, that was since the last podcast. Yeah, you know it's going wrong when the people of Birmingham will waste a good cabbage on you. So the amount of time I've spent in Portland now, my thinking was, oh, I wonder if it's organic. Was it iceberg? Was it romaine? Because <laughs> as, <laughs> as we all know, Casey, when it comes to cabbages... Romaine reigns. Oh dear. Yeah, but yeah, Bruce has been sat by Villa and fresh off the Leeds game against Brentford, Dean Smith, lifelong Villa fan, has got the job. Uh, with John Terry as his assistant. Now, the thing that was weird with that is that though Rui Faria was very heavily linked to it, so was Thierry Henry. And then eventually Dean Smith got it. But it appeared that whoever got it, John Terry was the assistant. Yes, John Terry was hired as assistant manager before the manager had come in and had the chance to make a decision on his assistant manager. Yeah, it was... a uh, very odd. It was a very strange one. You see, you can only imagine what he's going to be like during team talks. He'll just take them all over. I, I just, I'm just picturing him as full kit wanker John Terry for each game now. I... Don't think it's long odds that if they get two centre-back injuries, he comes out of retirement. Mm. I don't think the odds are very long at all. I only make it like 5-2, 11-4. So strange, because obviously he never, he never found another club. But it's been interesting, actually. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. There was a good article on uh, BBC Sport about players that are available on free transfers still. 
off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. I believe that Lassina Traore from Monaco is still there. Yeah, he's... It wouldn't suit us even slightly, but I believe that he's one of the higher profile names. Yeah, he he was up there. Um, I feel bad now because you've, you've whipped that out and the only one that's coming to my head is uh, Gabby Abonglaha, who who is not quite on the same level. I don't know. Neither of them are that good. But yeah, it's just it's just been interesting to see more and more the amount of players now that are available on free transfers at this stage of a season. Paul Rahobka had a little interview in there as well. Strangely, he can't find a club. He's had eighteen clubs. Well, I, I, I don't know how he had two after his time at Leeds. No, I find that pretty impressive. I've actually just had a look on Twitter. Uh, I have got in the notes that after Dean Smith left, Thomas Frank, their assistant, was pretty much nailed on to get the job. He has got the job. Oh, there you go. It's a very, But I think when they brought him in, they even said in the press release, it's sort of with a view to him being the next one. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Which, by the way, I mean, it's miles ahead. Well, I'll, I'll say this first, actually, because it kind of links in, even though it, it isn't necessary. Under-23s have played four games since we last year. Uh, they lost 2-0 at Bolton. They beat Forest 2-0, Edmonton and Stevens. They lost 2-1 in Cup to Southampton, Temenushkov with the goal. Um, they drew 2 all with Burnley the other day. An own goal, but we'll say it was Berardi, because it was his header and roof, and then we kind of went to sleep for the last half hour. But that yeah. whole secession plan that they've got with secession, say succession, because seceding is a very different thing, ask Texans. Are the, the under-23 seceding from the club? Yeah, completely. They're a separate team now. Oh, shit, here we go. Youngie's going to kick off now. Yeah. They're going to want a place in League 2. We're going to have to knock a team out. Let's nah. Go. It's a bit of a Tory, so, you know, it'll be okay with people seceding from breaks. Just look at Brexit. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what I was going to say is, uh, Thomas Frank getting that job, the more I see the amount he's on the first-team bench, the amount he seems to trust him, I think that right now, uh, the favourite for the next Leeds United manager is Carlos Cabrera. Yes, he's... Because he has moved into this role now of one being the manager for the under 23s, but he's on the bench now for games as well. And it's, they all seem to be every time I hear discussion or uh, a description of any of the coaches, most of them tend to be described as assistants. Um, but yeah, I, I think of, you know, reading a couple of interviews and how, how Cabrera is spoken of. It does almost sound like he's been groomed to take on the job uh, when Bielsa goes, whenever that is. Yeah, it's one of them where if if he's gained Bielsa's trust and Bielsa... Because Bielsa, I mean, I don't want him going anywhere at the minute because he's brilliant. But I don't think he's it. Even if we got promoted and it all went brilliantly, I think the absolute maximum he could be here is about four years. Yeah. And that's if, that's if it went so perfectly that we're in Europe in that time. I don't I think, think we can do it. I don't think he's here for a long time. Get promoted, consolidate next season, finish, you know, 13th, 12th, around there, and then you're up the season after. Three yeah. years, done. We knocked it out. But I think even if it was that, he'd do one season in Europe and then he'd go, right, that'll do me. Like, I don't, I don't think he's here forever. Mm. But it does show that I'm not thinking he's going to be here that long, but the club is really 
One, not so much bending to his will. I think they're only doing it because they believe him that it's a good idea. But they've knocked up a load of accommodation at the training ground. Yes, which is quite nice to see that they've put, they're putting in the accommodation and it seems to be mostly for the first team players when they're doing double sessions so they can just stay at the ground and, and rest there. Yeah, it's not like to sleep in, really. It's just mm. to recover in. Yeah, I, I just kind of am... I, kind of liken it to slightly nicer student accommodation is what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, he, uh, it's something that most of the top clubs do, that they've got stuff like that at the training ground. So he's brought us into line. Have you, speaking of training grounds and Bielsa, have you seen that with Newell's Old Boys' new training ground? Yeah, putting a, a nice chunk of cash towards uh, the facilities. I think it was accommodation at their training ground as well was it not accommodation and summit facilities but it shows that as much as he does make a shitload of money from football i don't think that's why he's in it because if he was it wouldn't be going to his team that he loves and supports and going i've made a load of money how much is your new training ground well here's two and a half million dollars i'll pay some of it uh, i suppose when uh when they get a good result bielsa will be dancing on the streets of newell's old boys yeah I suppose I suppose he could just dance in the stadium via Stadio Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, like, it's almost like he's held in high regard there. Yeah, he does well. You know, it, the, it's like I know Joe Urquhart was saying that he ended up doing quite a long interview with some Chilean media outlet who wanted to talk to him about how he's doing, how Bielsa's doing at Leeds. Mm. It's amazing how bigger news it is worldwide. Like, you see articles everywhere, you know, TIFO Football have done a couple and Football Republic did one. Did you see the uh, Copper 90 documentary? I haven't actually seen it yet, no. Uh, the Copper 90 documentary is weird in that it's about 11 and a half minutes long and 11 minutes of it is really good. Mm. And there's one bit in the middle of it where the presenter guy who had to do a reshoot because my dad walked in front of the camera while he was doing a piece to camera. <laughs> uh, I tried to grab hold of him but <laughs> it just didn't happen it's just but gone there's this one piece in the middle where he's talking to this Leeds fan at top of Beast and Hill just above the pitch and they're there talking into camera and he has this 15 second like little paragraph and he goes well you know Leeds have tried everything they hired the safe lower league bet in Gary Monk who at that point had mm. never managed outside the Premier League <laughs> Remember when they've had a Serbian? Have we? Who do you... F I mean, it doesn't say who he means, but we haven't, have we? I... Oh, I've forgotten his name now. Goddamn Darko. Yeah, I'm assuming it's Darko they're on about. Yeah, but he's Slovenian. Close. And then the best one of the lot, they've had an Italian in Gus Poyet. <laughs> oh, wow. An Italian in Gus Poyet. Never managed as... And is Uruguayan. Yep. Genius. Now, I'm not I'm not burying the guy that presents it because there's a very good chance he didn't write that. I mean, if he did write it, he should feel ashamed of himself. And if someone else wrote it, they owe him they owe that presenter at least a gallon of beer for making him look stupid on the internet. I just can't get how the guy he's interviewing who's there in a lead shirt doesn't call him out on it. Too polite. That's what I'd have done. I'd have been there again. Yep. You'd have seen it in my eyes. You'd have seen my eyes just drift off a little bit going, this is incredibly wrong. Just go with it. It'll be fine. It'll be over in 30 seconds. Yeah. 
I, uh, there's not a great deal of news outside of weird shooting the shit things. Uh, I mentioned Idaguchi's got a bad knee injury. He doesn't need surgery, but it's a PCL injury, same as Bamford. And so he's going to be out mm. for a while. Uh, most of the other news has basically been, has, hasn't been Leeds United, it has been Andrea Radrizani. Yes, he has been planning ahead. Yeah, he, he was at a business conference in London and said that Leeds have had takeover approaches, valuing the club at double what he paid for it. Which does add up, if if the 49ers bought 10, 10% for like around 10 million, it was that sort of figures, and he paid about 50 million for the club, that kind of adds up. Yeah, the the talk was that he got it for uh, between forty five and fifty million, so mm. that works out. It didn't go down well that he described it at the conference as he wants to make Leeds one of the top eight brands in the Premier League. I, I'm just going to leave it, but you you don't want to see the word brands as a fan. It's not the word you want to see, but as a businessman, you understand why he's using that term. Yeah, it was at a business conference. If he said that when he was talking football. It'd go down worse. Yeah. He uh, He's also called for the creation of a Premier League 2, which already exists. That's the name of the Premier League Reserve League, isn't it? The under-23s? I believe so, yes. But I kind of know what he means. Uh, it's a bit weird because him and Cholino, one thing they're agreed on and one thing where they do have a point is Leeds kind of get screwed over on TV. You know, when you look at the numbers, we don't make enough for the amount we're on. We don't make enough for the amount of a draw we are. But I think that they just need to negotiate a better deal because you can't sell them individually. And if the championship broke away, League One and League Two are fucked. Yeah, because I think I think the numbers he was saying it was roughly on the lines of we get paid one sixteenth. The football league gets one sixteenth of what the Premier League gets, but Leeds tend to get one sixth of the ratings. Or something along those lines. Yeah. So the numbers don't add up. And they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. <laughs> Joke yeah. for f- ooh, 1% of his audience there. <laughs> yeah. Um, a nice uh, Scott Steiner reference there. But yeah, you know, it, it made sense in as much as we're not getting that much money. And yet, at least when leads are on TV, they seem to drive big numbers for Sky for championship games. Um, and, I, and I appreciate that, again, you can't just negotiate this, well, we should get this much and Burton should only get that much. But, um, yeah, it, it does seem to be getting a bit more one-sided now. In terms, well, it's always been one-sided towards for the money that the Premier League gets for it and the money that gets handed down to the championship. But, um, yeah, it does. It does seem that there is a need there to to look at this deal and try and bridge that gap a little bit. Yeah. Now I know that there's some Leeds fans that'd be like, "Well, I don't care about the League One and League Two clubs. I want what's best for because what's best for Leeds pro- may well be a breakaway." Mm. But I don't want to completely dis- like knacker the football league. We don't want to be. Uh, Italian football. No, you don't want to be that, and you don't want to be Spanish football where they all sell their own rights. Yeah, look how fantastic that league is to watch. Yeah, and speaking of Spanish football, the other thing that has had him caught in controversy a little bit, Eleven Sports have been streaming their La Liga match that is on during the blackout hours on the Saturday. Mm. Now, this is the one where I do agree with him. 
partly because he's called... He, there's been some interviews where he said that he wants to end the blackout and some where he said he wants to end the blackout so he can show the Spanish games. Mm. I don't mind you being able to show games from foreign countries during the blackout. So by as as a blackout, we're talking the three o'clock slot. It's t- I believe it's two forty-five until five fifteen. Okay, yeah. I don't mind them being able to show a Spanish game at that point. I really don't think that's going to affect you know the attendances at games and stuff like that. No, I, I don't feel like people are, are going to go. Ah, oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm not going to go to Aston Villa versus Norwich. Real Sociedad are playing at three. Yeah, I don't think that's going to make a difference. So I'm fine with that. Same if he does it with Syria. If they started showing everything, that's a problem. Because the kid that goes with his dad to Oldham and also looks out for Man City. Yeah. If Man City run at three o'clock, he's not going to want to go watch Oldham some at time. So that will make a yeah. difference. But uh, so long as they. It, I don't mind them showing an online stream of a, you know, Real Sociedad match or a Levante match or whatever it is at three o'clock. Mm. I really don't think that makes a difference. And, you know, the. The, few, the couple of thousand people that want to watch that, I bet they're not going to a game anyway. Yeah. Speaking of which as well, we've also had a, another couple of games moved for TV. Uh, yeah, I've missed it off the notes. The Sheffield United game in the least surprising news of the, in the world has been moved for TV by about 15 minutes. Again, you just... My only thinking with stuff like this is just, again, just... You knew the day the fi- the fixtures came out that you were going to put this game on TV, regardless of whether Leeds were top, bottom, or middle of the table. Like, just just announce it straight away. Just do it, and you know, in what is it, July when the fixtures get announced or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a bit odd. I believe I I, I don't know how right it is because including red button things, I can't remember. I think Dalton said something like including that Sheffield United game now, and you know they haven't announced any further than that really. Leeds will have already been on telly like 15 or 16 times this year. What, what was it last season where you got to about 19? It was 20, I believe, but they didn't have all the midweek games on the red button. So, like, everyone's yeah. is going to go up. Like, people who were on twice last season will be on eight or nine. Mm. But it's it's going to get to a stage where, like, obviously, I haven't been to a single away game. And through legal means, I've only, like, not seen one full 90 minutes. Yeah. You know, obviously, if it's not on, there's streams about and you can find it anyway. But even the ones that... Leeds games get moved that much, but I'm at the home games and all the away games have been on telly anyway. Yeah, it's... It'd be interesting now, especially going back to what Rav Rizani was talking about with the, with the TV deal, whether it's a case of if the games are on the red button, if they get less money for that. I, I doubt there's much money at all in that. I bet it's just the overall money has gone up, but there, mm-hmm. there won't be any extra individual money for that. The main yeah. game that's on that has all the cameras and replays and two commentators, they'll get the money. The rest will just be part of the deal. Because, I mean, I'll always watch it because it's a way to watch Leeds if I'm not at the game. Yeah. But the red button coverage is shite. One camera, no replays, one commentator. Oh, is it like some of the beanbacks we've gone to? Yeah, can you... There was a brief period of a couple of months where the... those streams that were being sent to the AFL and chopped up for highlights were available on the internet in places. Yeah. And they were like that as well, and the beanbacks are like that, because that's the same stream. They just dubbed the LUTV commentary over it. Mm. But, like, the... Co- the 
commentary on the whole game. And I can't remember his name, but the guy who did it was actually a pretty decent commentator, but he just got Sides and Alioski's names mixed up the whole match. Yeah. And various other things. But uh, speaking of games on the red button, Blackburn away on Saturday. They're, it's on at midday, which I still haven't seen it actually confirmed, but it does say on the Sky Sports website that this game's on the red button because it'll be finished before 2.45 when the blackout starts. Yeah, should be. Yeah, so it should be on. You know Leeds games finish late, though. Yeah, always. Uh, until about 3.45. Yeah. Their 10th in league, 18 points from 12, scored 14, conceded 15. So fairly even. Uh, the last game was a 1-0 win at Bolton. Uh, atmosphere should be good, because Leeds, Leeds have sold out like 7,800 and some at tickets in a way, and... Yeah. It's been good We when we went, was it three years ago? Uh, three or four. The last time we went, was that when we got beat... Did we get beat 1-0? Tommy Spur. Oh, yeah. That was one where Sylvester was wearing a, a bib for part of the game. Yeah. Um, it was a fun atmosphere anyway. Yeah. Uh, I work with a big Blackburn fan, and he says that they're, they're a little bit hit and miss, but they have, they're have they a pretty good, very solid side at this level. Uh, there's... They've got a decent enough squad. We'll go through them first before we get to their main man. Uh, they've got David Martin in goal, who isn't that one. Yes. David Raya Martin. Did you see uh, Blackburn's man? Someone associated with the club, I can't actually remember who said it. I think it was one of, like, the chairman or someone high up said, it's the first time since Brad Friedel we've had a keeper that actually saved us points. And Paul Robinson quote tweeted it and just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to say. Yeah, I, actually saving his points. But uh, they've got some decent players like at back. Elliot Bennett has been playing right back, which isn't really his main position, but he has been. Darrell Lenihan and Charlie Mulgrew are apparently having good seasons at centre-back. Mulgrew is really good at set-pieces as well. Mm. Uh, they've got... Derek Williams at left back, I don't know much about, but his part, the ratings of him are quite high. And Ryan Yambe is a decent backup. Uh, midfield, Harrison Reed, he looked good at Southampton. Casey Palmer was good for Dog Botherers. Uh, Richard Smallwood and Corey Evans are okay. Joe Rothwell, I haven't actually seen, but I know Oxford fans banged on about him a lot. Uh, the. Two that I didn't... Well, there was one who was their best player and one who I didn't realise was actually there and playing. They've got Jack Rodwell, who's apparently doing all right. He's actually giving football another go, then. Yeah, he's decided to actually play again. And then their main man, uh, one of be best players in the league, Bradley Dack. It's amazing that he's that he was a, a League One player for the last few years. He, you know, I think, was it two years ago, he, he was looking promising and then... Uh, Blackburn picked him up last season, and he's he's looked great. Yeah, I mean, he was quality for him in League One last season. He's been brilliant this season. Nine games, six goals, two assists. He missed a couple with injury. But it wasn't one of those picks out of nowhere. When he was at Gillingham, everyone was saying he was really good. Yeah. But he has taken the step up like it was nothing. Because uh, West Brom had a bid of 15 million rejected for him as well. Wow. And apparently they might be going to try and go back in in January. I'll tell you what, that's, that's ridiculous, the money that's getting thrown around in the championship now. Yeah. Uh, but w w one of the main keys to this game is we have to do a, 
a bit of a job on Dak because mm. he, he's too he's too good to give him space. Even if we're good enough that we think we can just outplay him as a team, if we give him room, he'll do something. You'd think that'd be Calvin Phillips. You would think so, yeah. Kind of on him. Uh, up front, uh, they've got a couple of decent... Like, they've got Adam Armstrong, who is a bit hit and miss, but he's got some quality. Uh, getting on a bit now, but Danny Graham. He's been there a while now. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Samuel, I only really know, because I had him in lower leagues on FM once, and he did well. But uh, one of those stupid loan-to-permanent deals, like uh, Ryan Woods going to Stoke, Ben Brereton from Forest to Blackburn, £7 million in January, I reckon. Oh, wow. For an admittedly talented young player, but he hasn't done that much yet. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. It's a big bit of money for Blackburn to be thrown around as well. They're not exactly the richest club. No. But it'll be interesting to see our team for this, because... Uh, Baradi and Roof both played in the under-23s against Burnley. Uh, Baradi played as a left wing-back, actually, which was weird to see, but he did pretty well. Uh, Hernandez might be available too, although I think if he is, he'll only be on bench because he didn't play. But do we just are we just thinking that Baradi will just take Ailing's position with him being banned for a game? Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Because um, I think before that, it was a question as to whether he would come back in or not. Because I think you'd have probably looked towards Liam Cooper as to whether he would have come out of the team. Because I think Pontus has been in brilliant form. The last three games, Janssen has been really good. Um, so if you were going to bring Berardi back in as centre-back, you'd, you'd be looking at Cooper. But yeah, I think with Ailing being out, it kind of makes that decision a little bit easier. Although I suppose you then got to make the decision for Ipswich. Yeah, it's um, more the thing for Ipswich, but we'll talk about it now. Do you think once Ailing's back, Berardi has any shot of being in the eleven? Bielsa really likes him, and I think, like I said, I, I could see him coming in for Cooper because I think he, he, you know, in terms of bringing the ball out of defence and looking to get forward, I think he does play quicker than than Cooper does. Um, whether or not he would drop the captain or not, I don't know, but. Uh, if he was going to come in, I think it would be for Cooper. Yeah. Like, for me, he definitely shouldn't. I, don't, I wouldn't mess with Anson and Cooper at the minute. But I don't... Mm. It's not nailed on that he won't. Because he does seem to really like him. Yeah. Um, I think... I think Roof will definitely be back in ahead of Roberts. Yeah. It's not like Robert. Not that Roberts has done out wrong. He's been pretty good. No, but again, you, you know, player of the month and you're banging in goals for fun at the start, can linking play up well with the midfielders. Um, I think Roof has to start. Yeah. And then, they say, if whether it was a case with Hernandez that he's kept out of the under-23s just to because they don't want him playing as much, I know. If, if Hernandez is fully fit, because if he's fully fit, he starts... Nailed on. Yeah. Who drops out, Alioski or Harrison? Uh, Harrison, I think. I, I think he's had glimpses of, you know, he's, he had that very good showing against Preston, and he has moments when he looks good, but I just don't think he's been consistent enough uh, as, as causing a problem. I think he there's a lot of... I think his end product is probably just not where it needs to be at the moment. Yeah. I agree, Harrison, unless Alioski's a bit knackered from being away with Macedonia. True. Um, 
I know yeah. he he scored one, didn't he, from on like Friday, which is a goal a goal I haven't seen, but I did read someone say he basically got the ball from a short corner, dribbled it into the box, beat two men, and scored. Oh, lovely! And he was playing a couple of hours ago, but I haven't actually checked the score. They were away in Armenia. They went one yeah. nil down early from a goalkeeping mistake, and then I left work. That's a powerhouse game right there, isn't it? Macedonia versus Armenia. Yeah, Armenia, of course, fresh off their 1-0 defeat at home to Gibraltar. Of course. Which, by the way, fair, fair play, Gibraltar. <laughs> That's a yeah, great result. Uh, I think one of the good things that, that, that kind of comes out of this... Um, What's it called? Is it the Nations League? Nations League. There you go. Is that I think at least you're getting grouped with teams of a similar, similar ability... So at least you're kind of guaranteed four fixtures of, against teams that are around your level, as opposed to the qualifying games where you might have one team that's on your level, but you might also have Germany and Holland in your group. Yeah. Which I went off on a bit of a rant about it the other day, which really, I think it's all based on uh, Chelsea's chairman saying that they don't want to make the game, they don't want to try and make the game an even playing field financially because they they don't want it, everyone to become the great unwashed, which was a lovely way of putting things when you consider where Chelsea were before Abramovich turned up. Yeah. Um, Literally on the verge of going out of business. Yeah, which then admittedly started me on my little rant about uh, seeding in European football and just trying to pander to all the teams with the biggest budgets so they can get better television ratings. It's just annoys me yeah but anyway I, th- I think we'll probably get a result against Blackburn yeah but anyway KC what score <laughs> do you think it'll be <laughs> I think we'll win 2-0 2-0 uh, I honestly I rate Bradley Dak that highly that I think he will either score one or create one so I can't say he's keeping a clean sheet as well as Cooper and Janssen have played lately so I'm going to say I, w- I am going to say we'll win though I think we'll win 2-1 alright fair enough uh, and then another one I'm not actually sure if this is Red Button or the main game but it's on TV either way uh, Ipswich at home on Wednesday night they're 23rd and they've been awful Yeah, uh, 9 points from 12 scored 11 conceded 18 the last match they did actually win they won 3-2 away at Swansea which is a great result but they weren't yeah. apparently very good they had 3 shots on target scored them all and Swansea battered them and they just kept nicking it on the break it's like England yeah uh, they took Paul Hurst from Shrewsbury to replace Mick McCarthy because the crowd said, you know, they basically got to the stage where fans weren't coming anymore because they were so bored of Mick McCarthy's football. And now they've got Paul Hurst, who was like probably the best manager in League One last season because Shrewsbury shouldn't have been anywhere near a playoff final. And if anything, mm. apparently the football is worse. And he was, before that win, he was on verge of getting sacked by the sounds of it. Yeah, I know fans have been turning against McCarthy for the best part of a year now. And I don't think they've had a whole lot of money put into the team either. I think I kind of felt for Mick McCarthy and that I don't think he's been supported all that well. Um, it'd be interesting to see now if they can recover because Ipswich have been sliding down the table year after year for probably, what, the last three years now? Yeah. They were nearly men for a while, weren't they? And then they just went down. Yeah. Uh, one of the one changes Hurst made is he's dropped Bartosz Bialkowski. Goalkeep. Goalkeep. Uh, so Dean Gherkin's been in goal. Uh, I mean, he's okay. Uh, they've got Matthew Pennington, he's been playing at right back. I believe he scored a goal of the week as well. Yeah, I think I saw that. 
Luke Chambers at centre back's all right. The guy who's been playing left backs called Janoy Donassi, and I've no idea who he is. Uh, Jonas Knudsen can play left back as well, though, and he's all right. And Jordan Spencer's yeah. decent. But they've got uh, one player. I don't know if you've actually seen anything of him. Uh, Aristotle Nciala. I have no idea who this is. I only really know a bit about him because I listened to that Not The Top 20 podcast and they banged on about him a bit. Yeah. Uh, he's like big, strong, powerful, quick. But he's had a really interesting career path. He's like 26 now. But he started yeah. at, ev- at most of this I got because they mentioned it on their podcast. So if, if you listen to that, you've probably heard that this before. But uh, he was at Everton as a youngster. And he just started getting... He, he had a couple of loan spells at... One at Macclesfield, one at Accrington Stanley. He made the matchday squad but never played, but he was going to get his debut in Europa League against Barty Borisov. He was called, you know, you're coming on, and he'd forgot his shin pads. So, like, as he was mm. pissing about trying to find them, they got pissed off and were sent on a different centre-back instead, who is now a big name and an international. Have you any idea who that would be? I'm going to take a guess. Is it John Stones? No, because he was at Barnsley, wasn't he, when he was young? Oh, yeah. Um, I got who was it? Arsenal centre back Shokrand Mustafi. Okay, who everyone forgets was at Everton, including me. <laughs> it was at Everton and couldn't get inside. <laughs> yeah, he came on instead. It was like one of only two appearances he made for him. Yeah, but yeah, he got that and they released him. And like, he had quite a he's been very open about it. Like, he went into quite a depression over it and stuff. And then his dad got ill and ended up paralyzed with a spinal tumor. So, like, it was... And everything just kind of went to shit. And he, like, he had a few trials. He had a trial at Torquay when Torquay were properly knackered. You know, his stadium were falling down and they went down. Yeah. He had a trial then and they wouldn't take him because he wasn't up to much. Uh, He gave up on football, tried to get a regular job, couldn't get one. Couldn't even get one in, like, a T-shirt printing place. Nothing. Oh, wow. Uh, in, like, in his career as a youngster, he got booked and sent off all the time because he had a few anger issues and all that stuff. And he just gave up. And after like six months out, his mum sort of said to him, just go on, have another go. So he went on all these trials. He had a trial at Partick, didn't get in. Some trials in Belgium, didn't get in. And he went out to Vietnam and played for TDCS Dong Fap in the Vietnamese second tier. Which was kind of, he almost treated it like a holiday where he also played football. Yeah. But it, the football part he kind of enjoyed, so it got him back into liking football. But he left Vietnam, and I've just copied the quote in his, because it's in his words. He went for food one night, and I stood up and banged my head on the light because it was such a low ceiling. Everyone just stood and laughed because I'm so much taller. They took pictures. I thought, I'm done with this, and I booked a flight home the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. One one thing that he did well was he when he when he was at Accrington Stanley he did quite well and it was when John Coleman was their manager. Mm. So when he got back in the country, John Coleman was managing Southport. Yeah. So he got he went to Southport. I believe it was on like 150 quid a week. And did well, and at the end of that season, Grimsby signed him when they were in conference, mm. who were managed by Paul Hurst. Mm. Had two two seasons. They uh, they lost playoff final one year, won playoff final next year, got up into League Two, but he turned down the new deal because the money went right and went to Hartlepool for six months. And after that six months, he got surrounded by Shrewsbury in League One, who were managed by Paul Hurst. <laughs> so he's had a he had he had a good half a season rest at the time there, and then last season, 
from all accounts, he was the best defender in the division in League One. Mm. Like, it was quality. I, it got banged on about every week how good he was. And then, but he couldn't get a move. Him and John Nolan, who was really good. And he was really linked to Leeds as well. Uh, they couldn't get a move. So they both put in a transfer request so they could go to Ipswich, who were managed by Paul Hurst. Is it, there's a theme emerging here. Yeah. So basically, I think it says a lot about how he, I mean, he's willing to make sure he gets a move that's good for him. But it shows he's quite loyal if, like, he's only, if, like, his last six clubs he's had John Coleman, John Coleman, Paul Hurst, Paul Hurst, and Paul Hurst. Yeah. So he obviously has good relationships with his managers, but the fact that he dropped out of the game and dropped down the leagues and has come out way back up, I like hearing stories like that. That's amazing in, in such a short space of time as well. It's not like he's, it's over 12 years. It's over five. Yeah, the fact he's, the fact he's 26 and, you know, as a defender, feasibly has another six to eight years where he, you know, comfortably playing at this point. Yeah. Oh, he's also got the candle. He's got one cap for Congo. Yeah, I I feel like with with a, a couple of countries, and I think they must be one of them. And who is it? Leroy Rosinia played for. It's going to annoy me. Uh, Leroy Rosinia. I want to say is somewhere Caribbean, isn't it? I feel like it might be, but um, I remember him saying he got called up for. And he got he got given the job of his dad's country. Oh no, I'm totally wrong about the country. Like miles wrong. It was Sierra Leone. Oh yeah. He got one cap in nineteen ninety three, having played for England at under sixteen and under twenty one level. And he also yeah. got the Sierra Leone manager's job in two thousand seven. Yeah, I remember listening to him on I'm pretty sure it was on Fighting Talk and his dad begged him not to take that job. And and I can't imagine there's, you know, countries like Sierra Leone and and the old DRC a flush with talent. So I don't know if it's a case of they go out there, experience it and think, no, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. It, it's just quite interesting when you see, especially like with someone like Candle, you, you could imagine him getting called up. Same with Beckford and Jamaica. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised that didn't happen more. And I don't know if it's a case they just looked and went, ah, it's not for me, this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite nice joining that one club, uh, one cap club for the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, that point that pointless answer. Yeah, it was a. <laughs> that sounds weird. I know you mean the TV show, but it <laughs> <laughs> just out just out of context. Yeah, um, they've got a couple of decent midfielders as well, but they had loads listed on website. Like they had, uh, they've got Trevor Chalaber. Was like a holding mid who's Nathaniel Chalaber's brother who got on against Spain and is somehow getting in the England squad despite having played four minutes in the Premier League this year. I thought it was nine. Oh, it might be nine, but it's like still <laughs> point yeah. stands. Uh, Cole Skews is okay. John Nolan, who I was just on about, he's a good like attacking centre mid. Uh, we were linked to him last season. He's he's pretty, I, I rate him quite highly. He was really good in playoff semi against Charlton. Uh, they've still got Tom Adeyemi as well and Emma Hughes the Welsh one and then they had like seven more central midfielders and I didn't know any of them were if they just stuck the whole of the youth team on there they must have done Uh, but forwards they've got it's sort of they've got a couple of decent ones Uh, they've got that Guayon Edwards that they signed from uh, Peterborough and he's their top scorer he's only got three but he's apparently been their standout in attack 
Uh, yeah. Caden Jackson, he's the one that they got from Accurate and Stanley, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Who scored a load last season. Uh, and then they've still got Freddie Sears and they've signed Jonathan Walters as well, who is... Jonathan Walters is quite canny and stuff, so he, he can be a handful. He's, he's probably a good player to have at this level at this stage of his career um, in terms of, like you say, big physical player, very experienced. He's a bit of a um, shithouse, isn't he? But you can, you can imagine it'd be fun watching him and Pontus going at it for yeah. an afternoon. Freddie Sears has been there a while as well. He has now. It wouldn't shock me now if he's getting like, if he's like 28, 29 and he still feels like a youngster. Was was Freddie Sears, he came through West Ham? Yeah, he came through and scored a few. Him, Junior Stanislas, they all came through around the same time. Yeah. Happy, what, 2008, 2009? Yeah, that, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, he's 28, is Freddie Sears now. Yeah, again, again, I just... Oh, God, he's been there since 2015. He's played 115 league games for Ipswich. Wow. He has been there a long time. 22 goals. He's... Because if I remember right, I think it was him. He scored He scored a few goals for West Ham in, in, like league, in early round League Cup games and kind of made a bit of a name for himself. Mm. Um, I just never... Like, it never really went anywhere for him. But I, yeah, I still have him in my head from around that time. So in my head, he's only like 21, 22. He's, he's like promising young midfielder Joe Cole. Yeah. And Jack Wilshire. Oh, um, we've got to beat these. We're at home. These are shy. I'm saying 3 0. Uh, I'm going to go. You know, I'm, I'm going to say we're going to get a few goals here. I'm going to go 4 1. All right, cool. And uh, the last one for us today before we'll be back. Another big game, another one on telly. Half five kickoff on Saturday. Nottingham Forest at home. Uh, they're fifth in league, 19 points from 12, scored 17 13 against. Last game was a great result from the 1 2 0 away at Borough. Mm. Uh, it's it's a kind of a well balanced squad, although I think we're a bit short at centre back, from what I've seen. Uh, we've got Pantillimon mm. in goal. He's a shit keeper. He's just, he's just big. He's just big. I think that if you hit. I, I, I don't rate him that highly. I don't think he's awful, but I don't think he's good. No, I, he's very much a put it in the corner. He's not getting down to it. Yeah. He's, his movement's not fantastic. Yeah, uh, defensively, we've got Tobias Figueredo, who's that guy from Sporting Lisbon that we got linked with for about a year. Ooh. All through last season. Yeah. Then we've got your boy, Michael Dawson. He's still going. But, like, he can't run. No. Uh, they've got Michael Heffley that they signed from Huddersfield for 400 grand, which I, I don't think is a world beater or anything, but for 400 grand, that's a bargain. A good championship signing when you see what he did in that Huddersfield team when they went up. Yeah. Uh, they've got Danny Fox, who's always been a left-back, but they've been playing him centre-back last couple of games. And the Forest fan in the office says he's done well, but you can tell he's out of position. Mm. Uh Tendai Derrick was a decent right back. We've got Jack Robinson, he's a decent full back. And uh, Saidi Yanko, who's not that good, but he is quick. Because he's ex Man United and ex Celtic. But between Figueredo, Dawson, Heffler, and Fox, I think we're a bit short at centre back. Yeah. So I think if our movement's good, that could be a problem. They've also got Sam Byron, but he's out for ages with a knee injury. Oh, poor Sam. Because they've got him on loan. He might have even gone back to West Ham. Yeah. It'd be nice to see him. They've, uh, they've got shitloads of centre mids. 
a bit like Ipswich, only differences I've heard of them. Uh, Jack Colback, Ben Watson, Adelaine Guardiola, Ben Osborne, Claudio Jacob, Liam Bridcut, Matty Cash. <laughs> They're all just normal centre-mids and that Panagiotis Taxidis. Can you remember reading about him? Um, I think so. He's the one, you know, like their owner owns Olympiacos as well. Oh, yeah. He's the one that uh, they didn't get the deal done, so he just cancelled his contract with Olympiacos so he could sign on a free for Forest. Oh, clever. Like five days after window shut or something. Oh, that's one, that's one way around it. Yeah, they've got all of them as just centre-mids. Ben Watson's quite a good player to have in the championship again. Always looked, yeah. always did all right in the premiership, to be honest. I think Guardiola's all right. In championship, so is Colback. Claudio Jacob, I haven't actually seen play for him, but he was okay for West Brom in Premier League. Yeah. So you'd think he'd be fine in championship. Another one of my boys, Liam Brickcut. Yeah. I would assume that... I haven't actually checked the stats, but I would assume he's not getting in the side now. No, not looking at that list, you wouldn't think so. Yeah. Then, like, attacking mids and wingers, they've got... That's that's where you can tell the influence of the new ownership. Mm. Uh, they've got Jao Cavalio, uh, Diogo Gonçalves, who was another one who was linked to us a lot. When we thought we might try the Wolves tactic, yeah, he was the name being banded about. Uh, Gil, that Gil Diaz is really good, and it's weird that you get all those foreign flair sounding names. And apparently, the best one a lot this season has been Joe Lolly. Yeah, he he's really stepped it up this year. Again, another one who, when he was when he was getting in the team at Huddersfield, he always heard a few good things about him. Yeah. And last and also very much least, <laughs> they still have Gaboli Ariebe. Just in case they need some pace yeah. and not much else. Remember? <laughs> so odd. Yeah. Uh, main strikers, Lewis Graben, Daryl Murphy. Lewis, Graben, Lewis Graben's good. And yeah. Murph, Murphy, in the same way as Jonathan Walters, big experience, knows what he's doing. But the one that yeah. I, don't, I didn't know anything about, really, is this Hilal Sundani, who's got a couple of goals from already. Mm. It's not always been at best level, but his goal-scoring record's tremendous. Like, he, he was playing for, uh, I believe it's, I'm guessing it's pronounced Schleff, C-H-L-E-F, when he was back, when he was in Algeria, where he's from. 86 in 108, got a move to uh, Vitoria Guimaraes in Portugal, 25 in 37. Played in Europa League, uh, they won the Portuguese FA Cup and he scored in final, beating Benfica. And then mm. he went to Dynamo Zagreb, 97 in 132. I know it's, it's good not, numbers. I know it's not the top level, but if you're getting those numbers, you can finish a bit. And it's not like Ekiban where he was playing in Albania. Like, Dynamo Zagreb are a decent side. The Portuguese League is a decent standard. The Algerian League figures I'm willing to write off. Mm. But no, they're... Uh, I, I don't rate the defence, but outside of that, I think we've got a really good squad. Yeah, it's a pretty good team. You can tell there's been money put into it. Um, I'll be a close game, actually. Mm. I think, like you say, they've got kind of a good mix of experienced players at this level. Like you say, looking at that midfield, just going through kind of between Colback, Watson, um, Osborne. Um, it's, a, it's a good midfield, that. From what I've seen of him, I quite like Matty Cash, actually. I think he's a good player. Mm. Uh, hopefully, I say maybe looking at their defence, if we could just get out of them a bit and put them under pressure. But I'm going to gonna plump for a draw in this one. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I fucking hate Forrest. I know you do. I really hate Forrest. Like, so much. <laughs> fucking scabs. 
so I've got to predict us to win. Uh, 2-0. I've just got her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope I'm right, because it'd be nice if we got nine points. Uh, obviously, I do. we've been doing this most podcasts lately, actually. It's always a decent thing to do. Blackburn away, Ipswich at home, Forest at home. What would you be happy with? Um, I'd take six points from that. I'd I'd take six. Five's not a disaster. Seven, I'd be happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think two wins and a draw against Forest would be. Yeah, if if we got two wins good. and a draw, I'd be very happy. I I honestly yeah. think that we are better than all these sides, but we're not much mm. better. Blackburn are decent and Forest are a good side as well. We're not much better. So if we got two wins and a draw, it's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's reasonable. Like you say, I don't think five points would be the worst because I think we were very optimistic going into the last set of games as well and we've only come away with five points. But you, I don't think any of us were downhearted by by it by the end of that run. You know, outside of the refereeing, I think in terms of just the results themselves, I think we were all fairly reasonable about picking up five points in those four games. Yeah, there, there has been a lot less negativity, haven't there? Which is good to see because there shouldn't be any. I mean, we've heard it has to be said by the way. Sheffield United been out, now being top at league, they've gone really well. Hmm. It'll be interesting if they go like they did last season because they they mm. got off to a flyer last year and and like not as bad as us, but they they dropped off. Yeah, they did fall away a little bit, didn't they? Not like we did. They couldn't do it as spectacularly as us. No, but I mean, like they won two nil away at Blackburn. And apparently deserved every bit of it. So hopefully we do a similar thing. Yeah, again, looking at Blackburn's team, it's it's not... It's a decent team. And like you say, Bradley Dax is a very good player. But looking at it, there's no reason why why we shouldn't be able to, to get a result there. There's nothing terrifying. It's not like when you played Wolves no. or Fulham last year. No, and I think having Roof back will be a big, a big boost as well. Like you say... Not that Tyler Roberts has been poor or anything like that. I think he's put himself about well. Um, it's good to see him get a few goals, but the the way Roof was playing at the start of the season, it'll be great to have him back in. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, mate, but I need to get some food because I've come straight from work and I haven't had out to eat yet. So that'll do us for episode looks at notes. 32. 32? <laughs> That'll do us for episode 32 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Episode number 32. <laughs> yeah, I ought to just record all of them, shouldn't I? 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. There we go. Never have to remember again. We can make it out of this. I will say, just uh, briefly before we go, um, the, the news of uh, Peter Brickley's passing. Oh, yeah, I meant to bring that up, actually. In fact... I should I should probably have brought that up at the start. That's okay. We can we can do this now. Yeah, we'll do it now. Fuck it, it's fine. Um, but yeah, his his work on um, the Italian commentary for Channel Four in the nineties, and then he was on. He did a lot of the early Pro Evo games as well, didn't he? He did loads of the Pro Evo games, and obviously, I mean, I've mentioned before, I grew up on Italian football because we didn't have Sky. Yeah. So. Gazetta, and then watching the live game on the Sunday afternoon and stuff. Him and yeah. Ray Wilkins. Like, my favourite non-lead player ever is Alessandro Del Piero for that very reason. Uh, his mm. voice is somewhat iconic. In fact, if I can find a clip of him... 
there's an outside at foot volley that Del Piero scores, uh, like ball over top and he hits it first time. And it's only like six seconds long, but Peter Blackley's commentating over it. If I can find it, well, get, I will get Dom to stick it on the end of the podcast. Uh, for me, I, I could listen to him saying Ravinelli all day long. Yeah. Like you say, he, he, he owned that commentary, especially with names like that. You get to add a little bit of flair to it as well. And it was just fantastic to listen to sometimes. Yeah. And obviously people disagree with us, but there was a long period of games where I genuinely think Pro Evo was a better game than FIFA. It was before the third generation of consoles came out. Oh, yeah, like Pro around Pro Evo 3, Pro Evo. Uh, pre, Pro Evo. Pro Evo. <laughs> Pro Evo 3 and 4. And I think, if I remember right, it was Pro Evo 4 that was the one that had leads on. The Yorkshire Whites. Yeah, sorry, the Yorkshire Whites. Yeah, but there was there was like four years where I thought Pro Evo was genuinely better. So, I mean, we played the hell out of them, didn't we? Play, putting it on 30 minutes a half and drawing 13-all. Uh, well, because, yeah, we'd put together... You had your Master League team, and then I'd just have my kind of all-star team. Yeah. With Alan Smith as centre-back. <laughs> and it just worked. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they were great games. Yeah, but no, I, uh, I'm i glad you remembered that because I'd forgotten and I did mean to bring it up. I did put something on Twitter about it on the on this page. Yeah. And to be completely classless, that's at Mighty White's Pod on Twitter, we're at MightyWhitesPodcast.com. The stuff we write goes up and through it all together, which is at T-H-R-U, it's all L-U-F-C. Uh, I didn't mean to do it out of some, <laughs> out of talking about Peter Brackley, but... There's not that much else to say. Anyone who heard his commentary likes him. Uh, and yeah. the, it's very sad that that duo, him and Ray Wilkins, which was some of that I grew up listening to, and they're both gone. Mm. It's very sad, but a uh, bit of a somber note to end on. But uh, we'll be back sometime after the Forest game. I've been Jack, see you. Uh, I've been Casey from Portland. I'll see you later. You're not from Portland, you're in Portland. You're live from Portland. You're not from Portland. Live from Portland, it's Tuesday afternoon. Live from Portland, Illinois. I know it's Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Right, cool. In a bit. See ya. has made the run oh what a goal for Del Piero that's a beauty well that is back in towards Brecker they've conceded one now and that is an absolute gem of a goal from Marco Brecker just over an hour gone and a goal to savour from a man very much in form Marco Brecker that's his fifth for Palmer this season, Setsini's header, and how's that then for a bicycle kick from Bratka?